Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Believe in UCLA, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Conan. I'm joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, how's it going, man? It's going good, Sam. It's going good. These are the, if you want to say, dog days of college because there's no college football, no college basketball. So we're Definitely. just trying to, you know, we're, we're getting <laughs> stuff. We're starting to get stuff going, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm the publisher and managing editor over at uh, All Bruins on the, the UCLA site for the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Networks. And this is uh, definitely a bit of a, a down period just in terms of traffic and content to push out and usually through most of the school year and everything there's, there's things popping up every day and now it's well okay is there is there really anything to talk about today but uh, we haven't talked in a few weeks so there's, there's plenty for us to cover on this show um mm-hmm, if, if mm-hmm. you if you like what you hear if you're a regular listener we appreciate it and uh make sure you uh, subscribe, like, turn on notifications, all that stuff for uh, for Believe in UCLA, wherever you're listening, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, you can find us wherever. So we really appreciate you listening. And I, I think the main topic for us today, Travis, is going to be the NBA draft. Uh, so we'll get into that. Uh, also some some basketball recruiting mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that since the last time we talked to it, like baseball got knocked out by Auburn, softball got knocked out by Oklahoma, and mm-hmm, college football mm-hmm. is two months away, college basketball is four months away, or whatever it is, and it, it is a little slow. But you know, we talk UCLA here, and there's enough to talk about, definitely. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, where the game starts. So mm-hmm. let's let's start with that NBA draft, Travis. There were three UCLA guys in the NBA draft. You had Peyton Watson, you had Johnny Juzang, and you had Jules Bernard. I feel like the expectation was that Peyton Watson was early to mid-second rounder. Johnny Juzang would be maybe mid to late second, if not be a like uh, someone who would be scooped up really quick as an undrafted guy and Jules would be undrafted. Well, for Jules and Johnny, that kind of played out. Jules went undrafted, signed the next day. Johnny went undrafted, but signed within 15 minutes after the draft. So he was a high priority guy. Mm-hmm. Peyton Watson, on the other hand, he went in the first round, number 30 <laughs> overall, barely snuck into the first round, which means guaranteed deal for him. It's a couple million bucks. That, that's really big. 
uh, he's someone who definitely bet on himself, and now he's headed to the uh, to the Denver Nuggets. I think he was drafted by OKC, but as a part of a trade they made earlier in the night, that pick was going to Denver. So that that's really interesting just to see him go. I, I mean, he didn't even participate at the combine. He was there. He he measured in and he, he did all the physical things, but he didn't play in the exhibition games. He had a pro day in Chicago that week, and then uh, I think he really didn't get too many individual team workouts until June, pretty much. The early wave of workouts, he really wasn't there. Uh, but teams liked what they saw at the pro day, uh, and they liked what they saw in those workouts, especially the Nuggets. And uh, that's an interesting move on their part. Travis, what are your what's your take seeing Peyton Watson go number thirty overall, and then we'll we'll get to the undrafted guys later. Pretty much it was shock. I mean, you know, like uh, to be honest, like I when I looked at these boards, you know, uh, I didn't see Peyton Watson in the first round at all. You know, none of them. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, I thought that I was like, you know, I was I remember. Um, I was, you know, like watching the draft or whatever with my father. And he was like, yo, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Peyton got drafted, you know? And he was like, oh, it did, he did, what? Because I thought he would be a second round. I thought he would be like, like, I thought, honestly, I thought he would go 35 to the Lakers. I thought the Lakers were, was going to get him because he's a young athlete, athlete yeah. athletic wing that the Lakers need. So mm-hmm. I, I, would, I was assuming that, that he was going to go there. But when he got drafted in the first round, I think uh, it's one of those projects, you know, to where like they're hoping that in like a couple years um, he will be something special. Um, he, he got drafted by OKC or Denver? Uh, it was he got drafted by OKC, but went to Denver. Then they traded to Denver. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think if, especially for Denver, I think they're using him as insurance because that's what that's the one thing that Denver needs is an athletic wing because. You know, let's just take for example uh, the the guy uh, who got hurt last year, who they just paid. Yeah, all that Michael money Porter to. Jr. Michael He's Porter had a lot Jr. of. I mean, he was he, he was injured coming he into the league. He was supposed to be a number one pick, didn't do great at Missouri. Maybe slid a little bit, and then he was hurt and slid even further. They got him at what fourteen, and then missed a year. Came in was all star level guy. Was about to break out and then gets hurt again. So, like you said, <laughs> Peyton Watson can fill in there eventually as an insurance policy because they, they gave mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr. a lot of money, but who knows how much he's going to be money. play. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing about, I think they jumped the gun with Michael Porter Jr. as far as paying him. Yeah. Um, you know, because basically, essentially, his, it was the 2020 season that got him paid, you know? Yeah. The bubble, the bubble season that basically got him paid and they're going to the Western Conference Finals and that's what got him paid. So, like I said, I think they got, they got Aaron Gordon right yeah and so now they add another young wing who can who's athletic kind of similar to Aaron Gordon and Peyton Watson um I think it's going to be interesting to see if Peyton plays uh because this is you know a couple of dudes at his spot if Michael Porter Jr. comes back this year and Aaron Gordon where's the minutes coming from but I'm happy for Peyton I mean I think everybody was killing him uh for going to the draft and staying in um, you know, like they thought, like nobody thought he would get drafted. So when he got drafted in the first round, I mean, like you said, that's a guaranteed uh, four years if they pick up his option, you know, on the yeah. fourth year. And then if they pick up his option on the fifth year, they can extend him on the fourth or pick him up on the fifth or whatever the case is. It's, you know, it's a good thing for him. Like I said, it's a great thing. I'm, you know, um, I'm happy that all his hard work paid off and, he proven the doubt is wrong by getting by getting drafted because all it takes is one. It don't take thirty. It just take one. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, staying from the UCLA angle for a second. It uh, it's good for the program because yes. UCLA hadn't had a first rounder since Aaron Holiday in 2018, and hadn't had a draft pick at all since Jalen Hands in 2019. Uh, so that I think 2020 and 2021. Those are the first back-to-back years without a UCLA player drafted thing since I think 57, 58. <laughs> it had been <laughs> Man, a long that's, time. That's pre-John Wooden, folks. Pre-John Wooden. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was like Willie Knowles era, just really way back there. And, and the COVID complicated things, Christmas injury complicated things. I mean, it's not like there was a a bunch of bums coming out of UCLA who got overlooked. It was just kind of a weird timing thing. But it's definitely nice to have that draft night juice going for the program 
this this year got a little bit of that back uh, because Peyton Watson was he came into the year as a potential probable you know however you want to say it. people were looking at him as a lottery pick he was a five-star prospect McDonald's All-American playing for his, his local hometown team where uh, his uncle went to school he went to games at Poly and and it was just this whole big thing. He was supposed to break out, and, and he didn't really. What did he ever three points, a rebound, an assist, or something like that? Uh, but I mean, his his body looked great. He's six eight with a seven foot wingspan, and his his defense was better than his offense. Which most most of the time for freshmen, you see the opposite. Um, so that's something that teams would likely appreciate and say, Oh, we can work on his offensive game. And he's, he's already got the the knack for the defensive side. So that's good. Uh, I think Denver, it's an interesting situation because at the end of the first round, you, you get a guaranteed contract, but especially with a guy like Watson, who's 19, a little raw, especially offensively, you could see him start, start the year in the G league and then come up later. It's not like he, he's signed a two way or he's a second round where he's unsure moving forward, he's got a guaranteed deal and he'll make the NBA eventually with this deal. Um, but I, I, I'm not totally sure. I, I think they'd rather get him minutes in there with their G league team than stash him as the 13th man and not play him at all. So just give him a few months to kind of gear up for it, calm up. I, I know uh, some teams do that with those late first round picks. So that's definitely an option for him, but when he does eventually get there, whether that's in November, December, January, March, whenever, uh, if you look at the, the way their roster is built right now, you got, uh, well, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Jokic, yeah, Gordon. So that's four guys right there. And then the fifth starter, depending Willie on how Burton, they play Willie things. Burton, Willie Burton. Yeah, yeah, Will Barton. Will Barton. And then they got Monty Morris off the bench as a point guard. Zeke Naji, the, the Arizona center from a few years ago. Uh, and then Jeff Green's got a player option for four and a half. I he did, he like opted he in. He opted in. He opted in. Okay. So, so he that – yeah. if, you're, if you're Peyton Watson, you're probably a little bummed that Jeff Green opted in because that, that's a, a spot. <laughs> that was along, your minutes. Along, yeah, yeah. That literally, that, those are your minutes. But Jeff Green's also the kind of guy who bounces around everywhere and they could trade him midseason and call and bring Watson up and give him those minutes. Um, and then Bones Highland, I've never – oh, wow, he's actually pretty good last year. I did – yeah, <laughs> first team all rookie. I don't know. He averaged ten points a game this year as a rookie. Good for him. Uh, but again, not not really Watson's minutes. So you have Monty Morris, point guard, Bones Island, point guard. It's really just Jeff Green is the only bench wing they have right now. I'm sure they'll pick it with that small of a roster. I'm sure they'll pick up uh, some kind of veteran and free agency or something. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, there is mm-hmm. definitely a path for when they decide he's ready. Peyton Watson can get, I don't know, 10 minutes as a rookie. And that's, that's pretty decent. That's a good spot for him. No, definitely. Um, he definitely be able to play because what he, what he brings to the table, like you said, you know, seven foot one wingspan, he's long and athletic. And in the West, you're going to need that, right? Because the mm-hmm. West has a thousand wings. They got Kawhi, you got Paul George. The Clippers got about 15 of them. <laughs> Terrence Mann and all these young guys, you know, they got, you know, Covington, you know, they got a gang of wings, Clippers do. Yep. You got you got guys like Wiggins uh, from Golden State. So, you know, you got LeBron and whoever else the Lakers bring at the wings. Um, you know, in the West, you're going to play Luka. Like, they're going to use him as you that kind bridges, of guy. Bridges. You got and, Bridges and, yeah. and, and, and all these guys from every single Mitchell, team. Mitchell, depending on know, if he's yeah. still in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Every team has a wing. So you need guys like him who who can lock down or at least try to attempt to lock down and play defense. Um, if he goes down to the G League, that's no problem. Look at the perfect example is two players. Look at Gary Payton Jr. He yeah. was on the Lakers uh, G League team for years. I used to watch him play all the time with the Lakers G League team. It was the backcourt was him and who else? Alex Caruso. That was the backcourt in the G League team. And guess Russo what? They got both his bank last year and, and Peyton will get his bank this year. Gary Payton's going to get it this year. They both got NBA rings and play significant minutes. So, you know, if, if Watson has to go down, that's not an issue. I think, you know, I think that's good for him. They're going to want him to play, like you said. He'll play, you know, up 40, down 20 or 30 or something like that. You know, it just kind of depends. 
Um, but I think for him, going to Denver was kind of an interesting move, but I think it's really more insurance uh, for Michael Porter Jr. Because like I said, he missed a whole year with back injury. He missed his first year with a back injury. He missed yeah. college with a back injury. So, you know, they need athletic wings. They just do. They don't, they're like Utah in a way where they don't have a lot of athletic wings besides Gordon. Yeah. And I'm like, Jeff Green is 35. He's getting, Jeff Green's going to be 36. And, and yeah. look at that. Jeff yeah. Green is 6'8. Yeah. So Watson fits that. And yeah. Jeff Green played 25 minutes a game for Denver last year. So, they probably be in 36. Those minutes will probably go down. Watson leads him up the year after he's probably going to be gone and they're going to need someone to take those minutes. And mm-hmm. I, I think having Jokic and Aaron Gordon, uh, those two are uh, great players. Uh, I mean, Jokic, especially two-time MVP, Aaron Gordon. I don't think he's ever made an all-star team, but he, he's an athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, two guys not really known for the defense. Yes. Uh, Michael Porter. Also, he he has the the tools to be a good defender, but his availability is one issue. And then also just maybe hasn't totally put it together on defense sometimes. So Watson is a, is a guy who they know they can bring in when he gets minutes and he plays off the bench and he whether how however they stagger it, he can say, oh, this guy can play defense. And maybe he can be a 14 point per game guy moving down the line somewhere. But I, I think mm-hmm. The timeline of the Nuggets, the way their roster is constructed, uh, I, I think that's a really good fit for him. But let's uh, let's move on to the guys who did not get drafted. Mm-hmm. Johnny Juzang, uh, he went to the Utah Jazz, I think, right? Yes. Yeah, he yes. went to the Jazz. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. Um, he signed a two-way with them. So um, he'll be in the, the same division as Peyton Watson. Uh, and Jules Bernard went to the, to, to the Detroit Pistons. So with Juzang, that's 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 a pretty good spot for him. I, you never know what's going to happen with with Mitchell and how they reset or don't reset the franchise this year. But I I think Johnny Juzang will get some time at the NBA level this year. The weird thing with him is just that I just I don't think he has an extremely high ceiling. I feel like teams have kind of decided. Well, we saw him last summer at these workouts in the combine we saw him this year he seems like kind of the same kind of guy he's a guy who can play nba minutes but is not going to break out and be some superstar like maybe Peyton Watson could um but i think going to utah a team that's a fringe playoff team is still trying to fight for a four seed or something having johnny juzang come in late season get a few buckets off the bench help rest someone like donovan mitchell from playing 40 minutes a night I think it's a good fit for him. Uh, Obviously he would have liked to be drafted. If he had come out last year, he probably would have been drafted probably somewhere in the 28 to 40 range, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So it it, it stinks for him. Uh, But, you know, he got another year of of progress towards his degree. He can come back and finish if he wants. And he got another year in college, went to the sweet 16. He was, he was generally pretty good at UCLA this year, not the heights that he reached in the final four the year before. But, you know, if you ask him about it, he probably would say it isn't, he doesn't regret it. Yeah, I, 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 if, if I'm Johnny Juzang, I'm, I'm putting that behind me. I don't want to overthink it. I don't want to get in my own head about that. He left a good amount of money on the board. He left some hype on the board. But he's going he's gonna to make an NBA roster at some point this year. So that's, that's that. that. That's a pretty good accomplishment in its own right. No, I agree. And people forget, look, Johnny Juzang might have left a first round pick on the board, but he didn't leave any money on the board. I guarantee you his NIL there was probably ridiculous this year. Um, yeah. I think know. he had one from like American Eagle or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So like, I'm pretty ones. sure it was upper hundred thousands, maybe a million, you know, the money UCLA has is endless when it comes to that. Um, and he was obviously the main attraction, the main star, him and Jaime. So yeah, he probably made good money. And you know what? I think that Utah is kind of a good fit for Johnny because, look, they're not an up-and-down team. They're a run-the-system kind of team. I think they're going to blow it up. I think they're going to trade one, either Mitchell or Gobert, probably be Gobert. So, and they're getting a new coach. It's going to be a new system. 
Um, but Utah, you know, Danny Ainge loves shooters. And, uh, you know, I think that him getting Johnny is saying, like, you know what? This guy was a bucket getter at UCLA. Granted, he's not a great one-on-one guy, but he's a guy that can get his own shot off. And he's a guy that can hit open jumpers when he's open. So he's going to fit that that system with Utah. You know, like double team off Mitchell, kicks it out to him. He could be the, you know, Bogdanovich of, of that team, you know, years to come. Um, I think this year is going to be interesting to see uh, if he does play, but it doesn't really matter. I think, uh, you know, in the future, he will be a Utah Jazz player. And let me tell you something. I always tell people this about being like a second round pick or a guy that doesn't get drafted, right? That means, because a first round pick means you, you got five years to play your, your original contract out. But probably, and, probably more if you think about it, because you got the four years of guarantee. So you got and, two guaranteed years, two team yep. option years where yep. you're undervalued. So they almost yep. always pick up. And then you got the, yep. the qualifying offer year, which yep. most mm-hmm. of the time means that, oh, okay, you're going to do a five-year deal after that. So if, yeah. you're, if you're a good player and you get picked in the first round, you're sticking with the same team for nine years, <laughs> yeah. pretty much, no, no. unless they decide it's, not it's to pretty match. Much, it could be nine yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, no, it's going to be. It's going to be. like The only number one guy that didn't get, this, get the, the extension this year was DeAndre Aiden, right? He was yeah. the only one that had to play on his fifth year. Now, yeah, and you look at someone like Ben Simmons who gets that fifth year and signs the extension is, has a yeah, weird workaround yeah, way of getting out. But I don't know yeah, how many yeah. guys are going to have that kind of leverage in that situation with that well, GM. Most guys would just have yeah. to stick it out. Yeah, well, look, I would say this. Every dude that stays there the four years and they kill them within those four years, they get the extension. Booker yeah. got his. Obviously, Luca. Obviously, guy from Atlanta, uh, Trey Young, Trey Young, like so. You got, you got Tatum, you got Brown. Yeah, all these guys got, got extensions, so they're with the team for nine years. Now, if you're a second round pick or a non drafty, like Johnny Juzan, that means you can get to the money way faster. Perfect example: Taylor Horton Tucker signed a two year deal with the Lakers as a second round pick. Right? Same thing happened with my boy Earl Watson way back in the day. He signed like a two year deal with Seattle. And after those two years is up, he killed those two years. And Taylor Horton Tucker got to his money, $10 million a year, faster than some of these other guys who still got to wait four or five years to get the money. So with Johnny, he can sign a two-year deal, one year this year, obviously a, a, a two-way contract, and then sign a two-year deal after that. And then, boom, he can get to his money fast in three years. He can get to the $10 million, 15 whatever it is he's going to make, faster than he could with – uh, first round pick so to me it's a it's obviously you're not making a 150 million dollar kind of contract you know but you can make really good money fast you know yeah I, I mean you look at someone we brought up earlier Alex Caruso goes to the Thunder makes less than the minimum Lakers minimum again minimum and then he's able to make 2.7 mil with the Lakers and then 2.7 mm-hmm. mil a year after that so he can sign a five and a half million dollar deal Mm-hmm. And then five years into his career, he goes he's to the already, Bulls and signs a foot, what, four years, 40. So that's, mm-hmm. he's making eight, nine, 10 mil a year. So that's, and that's not a bad to, deal. You can get to the money faster. It's not a bad thing. I'm telling you, people think it's all second round of boo If you kill right away, you can get to the money fast. <laughs> yeah. It, it's something where it puts a lot of, of, of pressure on you. And if you sign that first round contract and you have guaranteed money, you can kind of exhale and say, okay, let me focus on X, Y, Z now. If, if you're in that second round position, it, it doesn't mean that, that you're screwed for life. It just means that the, the, the grind's not over. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm sure most of these guys are okay with that. I'm sure a lot of these guys thrive in that situation yeah. where they, I mean, even if they're not in that situation, they tell themselves they are because yeah. they perform better. They, mm-hmm. they like being under pressure and, Obviously, I'm sure he would like the financial security, but between the NIL money he's making and what, what he's making from this two-way and the, the potential earnings that he has in the future, he's not in a bad situation at all. He's not. Um, he is not. He is not. Yeah, Jules Bernard uh, to the Pistons, I think is interesting. That That's much more of a rebuilding team uh, still. I mean, they took Kate Cunningham last year. Um, who who they, they took uh, Jaden Ivey this year. So they've got that backcourt duo for sure. I don't know if yeah. Jules... If it's going to be um, 
because it was his agency that announced it. I didn't see if it was a two-way or if it was a summer league deal or I'm, I'm not totally sure. Uh, but he's another guy who's going to have to you know, stay on the grind, keep going. I think I, I'm not, I, I think he's someone who can make a solid career in the G league for four years. And then who is that guy on the Lakers a couple of years ago? Who's like a 29 year old rookie or something or who came up. Uh, oh, I, I feel like Jules can be that kind of guy. Oh, the, comes the, up he, uh, a, the older guy that came up. Yeah. One maybe he was even older than that. I think yeah, he, he was, he was like 30. Season. Yeah. He was like 36. Yeah, whoever I oh, I'm forgetting his name. I think he played out the rest of that season. It was uh yeah, it was only like oh, it was only Andre like Ingram. It was basically like oh, yeah, played, it was only like oh, three he, games. He played three games. Okay. Yeah, he um, played three games. Yeah, he, he was played 30, in, he, 32 he minutes forever. a night. <laughs> yeah, I I mean maybe not to that extent where I mean he was a 32 year old rookie. I could see Jules playing with the Motor City Crews. For, for like five years and then coming up and someone like a, I mean, different pass and different Alex Caruso, different Alex Caruso. Yeah. Caruso, who is with the Thunder and the Lakers and uh, the Bulls and bouncing yeah. around with G leagues and then gets, he real was time. in the G league more than he was with the NBA. He was in the G league. He was at that, that team, him and Gary Payton Jr. Who's another one. And that's who I compare Jules to Gary Payton Jr. Gary yeah, Payne Jr. No, I totally in, see that. Yeah, it was in G League for like four or five years, kind of up, down, up, down, uh, get caught up, go back down. You know what I'm saying? Like he was doing that for like four or five years. And so like now, obviously, he found his niche and go to state. Now he's about to get paid. But like that could be Jules Bernard. He, he could be just like Gary Payton Jr. Yeah, if Jules can be a guy who – in four years comes up to the NBA he's playing 16 minutes a night off the bench shooting 38 percent from three and playing plus defense that's great that that I mean that's I mean who knows he could be better than that but I mean he played four years in college you think about what the ceiling is and how much more development those type of guys have and mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good path for him and it's not guaranteed in the slightest but you know it can definitely happen and I, I think he's the kind of guy who, who will kind of keep putting his, his, his head down and trying to make it work. So that, that'll be interesting to watch in the years to come. Uh, it's funny next year will be another weird draft for UCLA. Cause you got another guy coming in who's supposed to be a potential lottery pick and Amari Bailey, who, who knows he could go top three or he could fall off and go 30th, like, like Pay Watson, or he could be like Jalen hands a few years ago and come back for a sophomore year and then go second year after that. And, Next year, you got guys like Jaime and Tiger, four-year guys who you're not really sure how they fit in the NBA. What do teams think of them? I mean, Tiger being on the smaller side, Jaime being kind of that tweener forward kind of guy. Um, it, it's always fun having something to talk about around NBA draft season that uh, there hasn't really been the past few years for UCLA because there was no one in the draft in 2020, and Chris Smith had a torn ACL in 21 uh, when he went to the Pistons as undrafted free agent. But, um, yeah, I, I always like focusing on these little conversations, making player comps and who fits where. That, that's always a good topic of conversation. And it feels like we're going to be getting that every year from now on, now that we're kind of back to normal with normal cycles and eligibility and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so, yeah, so, no, I, I, I do agree with you on that. And as far as Jaime goes, he's like the typical NBA guy now, like that tweener guy. He used yeah. to be a tweener, and they didn't know what to do with him. But now he's a tweener and it's a good thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, honestly. You know, seriously, because like he's like a positionless, he's like a power forward with, you know, or you know, he can, power he's forward. Like any, he, can he can be anywhere from two through four. Yeah. Like I said, he can, he's, I would say he's a better version of a Draymond Green, right? Maybe not as big that could play a center, but he can play fours, he can play threes, and he can play twos. Um, and he's that it's, it's, he's like if my man Grant Williams could hit a layup, it'd be it'd be high. <laughs> well, Grant Williams <laughs> need to lose some weight, you know. <laughs> nope, finish. You know, he's he's kind of stuffy, kind of like how Draymond yeah. Green used to be. He yeah. need to drop about 15. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for NBA draft talk. Uh, in a, about one year's time, we'll be talking about all those guys and, and where they're going, but it's it's a time-honored tradition for UCLA. Like I said, it's been a three-year gap for the mm-hmm. first time mm-hmm. in, was that 60 years or 65 years or something? 
So it, it's it's good to be back to that talking about that. UCLA, back, back like I said, he's back to where they should be. They should have a player in the draft every year. Period. Yeah, it was a weird thing with the timing of the Steve Alford and McCronin coaching change, plus the pandemic, plus injuries, and you know, let's let's move past that. Let's uh, yeah. let's get back to yeah. normal UCLA yeah. winning titles. Mm-hmm. That's fun mm-hmm. for everyone. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit of basketball recruiting, Travis. Uh, UCLA this the past month pretty much is has I would say it all started with UCLA hiring uh, Ivo Simovic. Uh, who was a Serbian coach. He was, uh, who he he was an international scout for the Spurs, and then he uh, he was coaching overseas in Spain and Serbia, and he comes to the U.S. and he was a coach for uh, it was like Loyola Marymount and uh, or no, it was uh, Loyola Maryland. He coached for um, there were a couple of schools. Let me let me pull it up. Yeah, Loyola, Maryland, Charlotte, Hartford. Uh, yeah, he, he was he was doing a bunch of stuff, bounce around to smaller places, but he's someone who had a lot of international recruiting ties. And if you've seen UCLA's recruiting in the past few weeks, they had Milan Momsilovic, uh, who he's of Serbian descent. Um, and he came for a visit and apparently really liked it at UCLA. Uh, you have uh, Peja Stojakovic's son, um mm-hmm. he, he uh, andre stojakovic he came on a visit he's serbian and greek and he came to a visit after ucla hired Ivo simovic and he apparently really liked it they've offered a, a prospect from africa apparently there are reports that they're looking at international guys to to come in the class of 2020 uh, the class of 2022 to show up on campus in the next few weeks or fall whenever it ends up being so hiring Ivo simovic has been big and then also you've got the pangos all americans camp and uh, the, the section seven, but just for a second, Travis, I know you, you've been all around the basketball world and, and what is it like, what could it bring to this program having a, a coach who's coached in Spain and Serbia and been an NBA scout and been an assistant all across the country? What does that bring from a recruiting standpoint to UCLA? Do you think? Experience. And he could tell them the truth about how it really is, you know, how it is overseas, how it is in the NBA. I mean, the Spurs is obviously a first-class organization, world championship organization. So let's just say I'm a power forward. I'm one of the top power forwards in the country. He can say you're one of the top power forwards of the country. I used to watch Tim Duncan every day, day in, day out. I know what it takes that what makes him special. Come to UCLA, you know, and find out what's that about. Now, what it helps international players is obviously the game has expanded so much. Um, when UCLA won in that last national championship, their center, George Zedek, was international, you know? Um, you know, when I played at UCLA, Jerome Wiesio was international, he was French, you know? And you- I guess like uh, Lorenzo Monterreal. Yeah, yeah, like you, you get yeah. these kind of players who are great players, you know, from different countries. And so he's seen that talent. He's been all these places. So he knows they, you know, if they're interested in coming to the States, he can talk to their parents, he, you know, cause he's been out there. He knows he coached in Serbia. He coached in, you know, in other, other countries, you know, Spain and all those, like these are top leagues. Spain is number, number one league in Europe. So yeah. he's seen all the top players, you know? So to me, it's a great thing to have the international flavor for UCLA because international players help teams win. Think about the center uh, from Kansas, you know, and the small forward, you know, who just got yep. drafted. International, both of them, you know. So it helps everybody, you know. It helps. It helps recruiting. It helps the international recruiting, which is big, and I think it's going to help UCLA a lot. Yeah, I, I, and I think. Part of, I, I don't know if this was all of it, but it is kind of nice to see UCLA participate in a recruiting arms race of sorts because Gonzaga has been going after these guys forever. That, mm-hmm. that was kind of mm-hmm. Tommy Lloyd's calling card when he was an assistant there. He was he was the guy who would bring in the international dudes, those uh, seven-foot Eastern European guys from wherever. Uh, and now Tommy Lloyd's at Arizona, and Arizona was doing it the second he got there. They got uh, Umar Bala, 
uh, international and uh, Taboulis and, and just a bunch of these guys. So UCLA's biggest competition on the West Coast on the court and in recruiting circles, you got Arizona and Gonzaga. How do you keep up with them and make sure you're not falling behind in, in any of these passes? You get a guy who can bring in those international guys, relate to them, talk to them, have those connections so you know how to recruit them as a whole staff. Because Mick Cronin's obviously talking to these guys too. And Mick Cronin wouldn't normally be able to go to a guy from, I don't know, Estonia and talk to him normally and just kind of feel it out. He needs to have some uh, an assistant on his staff reach out to him first and that assistant teach him how to talk to this kid and, and just kind of how that whole staff works together. is definitely uh, good, good for the whole program in, in that sense. No, I agree with you 100%. I would say this. When it comes to international players, example, like you just said, Estonia, Arizona has uh, Kirk Kleiza. Right? Yeah, Kirk Kleiza, yeah. You know, yeah, and I, I, like I said, I played with his daddy, Valmo. That's how old I am. Um, <laughs> I played with his dad for five years in Estonia in Holland. So they, about them, with them is about trust, right? If they don't trust you, they're not going to mess with you, period. So if you have a guy you know, who knows about the big leagues in Spain and Serbia, those are kind of places, they're going to trust him. And then the parents are going to trust him, like, okay, I can send my son across the ocean, you know, to come play for this guy because this guy's here. Like you said, because this guy's here to take care of him. And you need that. You know, you definitely need that. When I was at like UCLA, you know, Jerome and Dan took care of each other because they were the two international players. Dan was... um Dan was Dutch, Jerome was French. So they hung out with each other all the time. So that's how, you know, that's how it happens. You know, like you need that, you need that flavor. If whatever gets you the talent, gets you the talent. Because the main thing is just about winning. Yeah. I, I, Travis, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but that Adam Sandler Netflix movie came out a few weeks ago, Hustle. You heard of that? Watch that. It's, it's fun seeing uh, Juancho Hern Gomez play this kid from from Spain. Was it uh, Bo Cruz and trying to come over to the NBA and everything? And I, I feel like for for a while it's been someone like that going straight to the NBA. You got Giannis, you got Dirk, you got the, this movie and and uh, Luca. But it, it is fun seeing colleges go after some of these international guys now. And like like you're talking about, it's been happening for a while, but it's kind of opening up a whole new window to college recruiting and sooner or later every notable major power team is going to have to have these guys with international ties on their staff and it's good to see UCLA is is getting in on that but uh yeah wait Travis did you see Hustle? Uh you know what I I meant to watch it last night I (laughs) fell asleep Uh, Uh, but yeah no no but I've heard I've heard good things I heard it was really I've seen highlights and I heard it was, you know, like good and authentic. Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, it, it there, I was kind of surprised because back in, in April when the NFL draft was happening, I, uh, I sat down one, one night and watched that, the Kevin Costner movie draft day where he's like yeah, the GM yeah, of the Browns yeah, 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 and I'm yeah, watching yeah. this and I'm having a good time. I'm just kind of laughing at them. I'm like, what, what is this stupid trade? This has never happened. This isn't how it works. And I watched this movie. I'm like, no, yeah, it's pretty cool. It pretty much got like a like Kenny Smith is playing like uh like Maverick Carter, like it's, it's he's playing some kind of super agent and pulling strings behind the scenes and all these secret runs and workouts. I'm like, yeah, no, it seems pretty legit. <laughs> Anthony Edwards for an awesome. No, that's how it is. Can't, can't no, no, look, I, it's it's really that. I mean, I've heard stories, obviously. I've never seen it, but I've heard stories. I mean, let's just take, for example, the Yao Ming thing. You know, Yao Ming had to go number one. The NBA had to pay China, their national team, like $10 million, $15 million. They had to pay them $10 million. Then they had to pay the team another $10 million just to get him out of his deal, you know? Um, yeah, it, it almost him. makes me think of the, the comparison. Where, I mean, we're talking about for, for basketball, you got someone like Dirk go straight to the NBA and Luka go straight to the NBA and Yao, like you're talking about versus and some of the some of the guys will go to college and there's not really a structure to it and you mm-hmm. compare that to something like baseball where there's like oh you pay the posting fee and the bid maxes out at this and there's this window of time where you can negotiate with teams only in the nippon league in japan and it's like it's so funny seeing that compared to like the free-for-all whatever happens happens with basketball 
No, no. And like I said, it's so different with basketball. Like, I mean, and that's because the game is so open, you know, like it's more yeah. open game. So like you see, like, you know, to be honest, uh, let's just say top five to 10 players in the league. Th- at least three of them are international. Luca, you know? Giannis, Jokic. That's three right yeah. there. Boom. <laughs> One of them. And think about the last yeah, yeah, four was- MVPs, four. And probably the five, because I think Luca is going to probably win it this year. Four MVPs are the national. Yeah. So, uh, and yeah, like I said, I think Luca will probably win this year. So it'll probably be five. Um, you know, out of the top five players, like I said, you put Giannis and Luca probably one and like four, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. It, it's uh, that's what you know, that, and that's what the game is now. It's it's a it's a spread open game, and so like that helps European players because they can shoot, they can handle, they can pass, you know, they can do all those things. Yeah, and let, let's uh, finish up here with some other recruiting things on the domestic side, um, where not necessarily the coaching changes influencing this, but just kind of the time of year, the time of cycle. Um, UCLA had through the big chunk of the 2023 cycle been mostly recruiting five-star national prospects. Um, and, and they are kind of still contending or closing in on a few of them, but with those options waning, and then you got the Pangos all American start of June and you had the section seven was that last weekend, got a lot more offers going out to some of these four-star guys and three-star guys, whether they're local or they're playing at smaller schools, wherever. Uh, it's, it's definitely been interesting to see who they're targeting and, and what style of play they're going at. Uh, Travis, when you were kind of through the, the high school ranks and being recruited and everything, what were, were there any of these or what was the extent of these big – showcases like section sevens like all these giant high school conglomerates all going to arizona for a few days and playing and paying us all american you know i don't know 60 prospects going and showing out in front of all these college coaches definitely big productions in ucla right now is all in on them did you have experience with those kind of productions when when you were coming up or has it really just exploded in the past however many years well, no, we had those things growing up. We had what they call uh, two camps when I was coming up. We had the Nikes, the Nike All-American yep. Invitational, where it was the top 150 players in the country play. Uh, and the Adidas camp was the other one where the other ones went. So mm-hmm. the Nike one, it was pretty much, I want to say 65% of the camp went to the NBA. Um, yeah. And so, like, you know, there are counselors were Nike players like Vince Carter was the counselor when I was there, Tim Duncan, Paul Pierce, and Antoine Walker. They would play. They were the counselors of the teams, and pretty much there was an NBA guy on every single team. Um, on my team, uh, my going into my senior year, I was with Larry Hughes. Um, Larry Hughes was the you know the guy on our team, and so like my year, the '97 year. Uh, the best players in the camp were the big name guys, Eldon Brand, Ron Artest, Baron Davis, uh, Brendan Haywood, um, you know, Shane Battier, um, you know, like all of these guys who went to the NBA eventually uh, was, you know, Jeff Chapange. It was like a lot of NBA guys. Now at the Adidas camp, there was a guy who was relatively unknown, but came in and destroyed the camp. You know, that guy name was Tracy McGrady. Yeah, <laughs> he was a, he was a top like 75 guy. He wasn't even in the top 50 going into the camp. And then he went like destroyed the camp, basically won MVP. And he became, you know, like a top five player in the country. And then obviously went pro at high school. Um, now, as far as like teams, uh, there were a couple a couple of tournaments uh, that were that were going. Um, there was this thing called the NIT. Uh, it was in Long Beach and teams from everywhere came down and coaches like were everywhere in that, in that, uh, in that arena. Uh, it was at the Long Beach, uh, the gold nugget, their old gym. So it was like two gyms. So it was like a lot of games going on at the same time. 
So uh, my going into my senior year, I was it was me, Tayshawn Prince, Baron Davis, uh, Jaron Collins, Aaron Maxey, Jason Capono uh, was all on one team. It was like six or seven of us. And then on the other California team was Shea Cotton, Kenny Bruner, you know, uh, Chris Burgess and other players. Now the best team, quote unquote, was the Riverside Church team. That was with Elton Brand, Ron Artest, Lamar Odom, all <laughs> on the same team. Um, That's not bad. Up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so pretty much uh, we, we played them in the semifinals and it was like the biggest game. It was every single coach from every single big division one school. Uh, Kentucky was there with Rick Pitino, uh, UMass, Calipari, uh, Jim Herrick, uh, Lou Olson, uh, Roy Williams, uh, Dean Smith, like every single coach from every single big, uh, school was there in the gym watching this play. And it was obviously four McDonald's All-Americans that played in the game. And for me, uh, that's when I made my name as a player because we actually won and I had a great game. And so I, I jumped from like maybe number 70 in the country to like top 30, you know, uh, a McDonald's All-American alternate. If somebody would have got hurt, I would have went. So uh, for me, those kind of tournaments, like the Dino's camps and things like that, it's been going on, but just were different camps. And a player really can shine. Four-star players and five-star players, uh, they help like four star players can help you in the future. One, two, three, four years. Five stars is obviously the guys who think they can go pro after yeah. one, you know. So, but four stars, you need those too, you know, because they can help fill out your rotation and they'll be there for a little bit. Yeah. And I also think having some of these different types of camps and tournaments so close mm -hmm. together helps give coaches an idea of kind of how these guys would fit because if, if you just mm -hmm. watch the Nike EYBL stuff and you're watching mm -hmm. AAU games, mm -hmm. they're more individual showcases. It's all every player. I mean, it's, it's almost an agreement of uh, every player is out there to, to further their recruitment. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's mm -hmm. the goal. It's not saying mm -hmm. anyone's being selfish. Like that's kind of the, how, how it works. And then that gets taken up another notch at these camps, like, like the Pangos one where that's literally what mm -hmm. it's about. Um, but then you have Pangos and then a week later in, in, uh, in Arizona, you have the section seven, which was, which is teens with the high schools. And how's a guy mm -hmm. playing AAU versus how he plays with his high school team. And that's always something that's mm -hmm. really interesting to look mm -hmm. at just to run through a few of the offers they sent out as a class of 2025 small forward from Vegas, Chris Nauli, um, or uh, Deedon Thomas, a class of 2024 point guard, who uh, thinks is where's where's he from? He's also from Vegas area. Plays for the same uh, AAU teams, Nuwuli, which is the same A uh, AAU program that uh, Will McClendon played at before he enrolled at UCLA last year. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, Caden Williams, uh, no, Caden Cooper, 2023 wing, Cody Williams, uh, all all these wings, these athletes who whether they're a 2025, 24, 23 prospect, more of the up and coming guys. Uh, it's a little late in the cycle in, in the, the modern schedule and everything, but apparently UCLA likes what they see from these guys. And that's, that's definitely good to see that they're shelling out all these offers after watching guys in, in multiple different settings, trying to build out these classes because they don't have a 2023 commit yet. And yeah, they got guys who have them in their top five and, guys who have taken official visits and are feeling pretty good about UCLA, but they're going to have to start closing on some of these guys soon. And it, they're, whether they get those five stars or not, they're going to have to also get the three stars and four stars. And, and this, mm -hmm. these are definitely good mm -hmm. settings for them to really hone in and target. This is a guy we want on the team. This is a guy who fits yeah. our system kind of thing. Well, UCLA, you got to be, you got to protect your home, you know, like California kids, uh, you cannot let your California kids leave the state. You know, you can't have your kids going to Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, whatever. You got to protect where you're at. You know, like when I was at UCLA, most of the top players, it was so many of us, so all of us couldn't come to UCLA. But, you know, most of them was at UCLA. Now, my year, 97, it was so many players 
that they couldn't keep everybody. So, you know, Chris Burgess went to Duke. Jason and Jaron went to, you know, Stanford. Uh, Jeff Chapange, Greg Lake, he went to SC. You know, me, Baron, Billy, and Todd all went to UCLA. So you got to protect your home and try to get as many California players as you can first, and then build your way out, you know, with these Florida, Texas, Kansas, you know, all these kind of players too. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think the, the first half of the cycle or whenever, however further back it goes, uh, been a lot of five stars from New York and New Jersey because that's where Darren Savino has his connections and four stars from Ohio because that's where Mick Cronin was coaching. And then they're going after guys from from Florida and IMG and, and Texas and Georgia and all these guys, these places where they don't really have uh, kind of they don't have their, their roots, their like really nitty gritty connections and pipelines. But then you're like, oh. This guy plays for Compton Magic. We get two of those guys every year. Let's bring him in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. we saw we saw him play with his high school team now. We can check that box, like what we see. Sounds good. Send him an offer. Turn up the hit on the recruitment. Bring him to campus for an official visit next week. Got nothing else going on. And I, I feel like they should be able to close on those kind of guys faster. I know you were you had talked on the pod maybe a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago, how kind of fast that the your recruitment had gone. Um, just kind of sometimes with, with local guys who, who grow up watching these teams, this UCLA team went to the final four two years ago. It, it doesn't take much to really get them on board. If the staff can go all in and just really sell the team, sell the system to them. And there are definitely guys out there every year like that. And it's only a matter of time before they get one, they give him the right pitch and he's committed within two weeks. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Uh, yeah, like I said, UCLA was always going to be my school if they recruited me hard enough. Um, so when they did, once I passed that, finally passed that SAT, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when I finally passed that SAT and they knocked on the door, boom, boom, boom. Hey, all right, where do I sign? You know, <laughs> um, and I, you know, like I said, I think that Arizona, Texas, Syracuse, uh, and USC, Long Beach State were my other schools. But I felt like if UCLA was coming knocking, I was going to go. So I think, you know, that's probably what Peyton Watson thought. That's probably what, you know, what the recruits who came in this year thought, you know, like who's California guys and, you know, wanted to play for that, you know, that powder blue, powder blue and white. And so, you know, the, the future of UCLA um, yes, you recruit out of state, you have to, because this, that's how the game is, but make sure you get your homegrown guys, you know, that you, you can get, you know, commits there to your three stars, your four stars. Look, everybody ain't Duke in Kentucky. You're not going to give 10, five-star guys, you know, <laughs> you know, you know yeah, like John Shire is literally recruiting in his sleep from diapers at this point. That's what I'm saying. Multiple so Americans. That's, you know, everybody's not going to get three and four or five-star guys every year. And even if you did were lucky enough to get three and four, five-star guys, three or four, five-star guys is going to be leaving. Look at Duke. Duke had five starters. They all went pro. So now you got to do it all over again, you know? So I think um, you need these guys that build your program, you know, to build and grow with your program, these three-star, four-star guys, because they'll stay multiple years, and that's how you get a national champion these guys that stay multiple years, it's really hard to just be like five guys in five guys out. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where the staff is looking Yes, uh, because you, you have someone like, um, like uh, Isaiah Collier, the point guard from, from Georgia, who he's a top 10 guy. He, he's legit, but, and they seem all in on him, but it feels like they get him then they might also get Ron Holland, who's a five-star from, from Texas, I think it is. And mm-hmm. So you get those two guys, and those are your anchors. But then Collier plays his AAU ball and high school ball with center, Eric Page, who's a three-star. So you can get both of them, and you get a one-and-done guy plus a four-year guy. And you mm-hmm. kind of plan it out and package it like that. You got uh, Lama Silovich and, and Andre Stoyakovich, guys who are, who are the high-end four-stars and maybe don't have the athleticism to go one-and-done. And they can be three-year guys or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. There's a way to balance it because you don't want all one-and-done guys 
because then you're just there's no roster consistency you're just turning over every single year you got to replace every year it's not really sustainable unless you're doing Kentucky and you don't want all four-year guys because then you inevitably get to the point where you're going to have you're you're rebuilding every few years you're going to have to have a crappy season when all your four-year guys are freshmen and yeah, sophomores yeah, when they're underclassmen yeah, yeah. when they're not contributing yet and then they have their two years of being good and you bring in a bunch of four-year guys to replace them and you stink again for two years so you, <laughs> you don't want that and I, I it feels like this staff is starting to to get that balance right they haven't really had to worry about it too much because they've had so many holdovers these past three heading into the fourth year with Mick Cronin um, and this is really the decisive class it is, that shows where their values are and how they want to plan things out for the future. And it looks like they're going to be able to balance it pretty well. And plus, no, no. but before we wrap things up, you're going to bring a full circle. It's pretty good for UCLA that Peyton Watson went in the first round because all these five stars who are maybe a little, there's a little doubt saying, well, yeah, I like, I, I like the brand. I like LA. I want to go to UCLA. Westwood's cool, but McCronin's tough. And if I'm not up to it, then that means I'm only playing six minutes a night. And then if I'm playing six minutes a night, am I going to get drafted? Well, Peyton Watson just did that and he went in the first round. So <laughs> you, you can, you can go and, and get, get chewed up and make and get stuffed at the end of the bench and still go in the first round. So five stars welcome. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, funniest stories is like Peyton Watson going the first round. Just like Zach Levine, who came off the bench, never started not one game for UCLA uh, as a freshman, went like number 12, right? He still contributed, though. He played, I don't know, what, like 24 minutes Yeah, off but the he bench. didn't Peyton start. Played like that, but I feel like most scouts would be able to look at that and be like, oh, okay, we got, yeah. we got all four no, yeah, starting the right. sun, and, and Levine started. Peyton Watts is a whole other thing. He played, what, like two minutes in the season? No, you're right. No, you're, you're, you're right. Playing. I'll give you that because – he didn't like if you look at his stats compared to everybody else's stats in the first round. Three points, like, two rebounds, one assist per game. Yeah, that's yeah. It. So like, no, that's no insane. guy with that kind of production gets drafted unless you are just a freak athlete who had good workouts and teams fell in love with. Yeah. And that's the case with him. That's great. Yeah. Look at his freshman stats compared to uh, the, the number one pick, uh, Poncheros. Poncheros yeah, is like yeah, eighteen Ponchero. and eight. Or yeah, like his is like 18 and eight in like, you know, two blocks, four, you know, four assists. Yep. And then you look at Peyton Watts, it's like, like you said, three, two, one. Yeah, I, I think my my favorite little nugget from the draft before we wrap up here, you had Peyton go uh, in the first round. He's a five-star mm-hmm. recruit. He was number 12 coming out of high school into UCLA. Averaged three points, three rebounds, one assist. And then he goes in the first round. Jaden oh. Hardy, who was five-star recruit, number four in his class, he was he was one of the first guys that UCLA offered when Mick Cronin came to the program. He was down to UCLA and I think two or three other schools. And he says, you know what? I'm going to go to the G League, sign with G League Ignite. He averages 18 points, four rebounds, three assists there. He does pretty well. And after all that, he gets picked in the second round. So mm-hmm. he has like six times the production of Peyton Watson with just as much uh, hype coming out of high school and he just set himself back by going to the G League. I mean, no, it's, I mean not, it's not absolute. You got you got Jalen Green last year with the Rockets going super high. I know there was someone in the top ten this year, but mm-hmm. if Jaden Hardy had come to UCLA, even if he had been buried on the end of the bench, there you go. First, you, you get picked in the first round. <laughs> yeah, think about the year before when next. Yeah, Dacian next. Dallas All American. Yeah, come from Dallas American. Come in undrafted. Yeah, yeah. it's. It's it's a it's crazy. There's always weird little comparisons like that to make. It's never apples to apples, but it, it's always something fun to keep an eye on, especially yes. UCLA fans being spurned by Dacian Nix two years ago. And that, I don't think they're going to forget that anytime soon. Um, no. Yeah, so I think that's pretty much it for this week's episode of Believe in UCLA presented by Bet Online. Um, Traps, thanks so much for hosting again with me. Where can people find you and your work online? Pretty much you can find me at Travis W. Reed on Instagram. That's uh, R-E-E-D, Travis W. Reed. And also Travis W. Reed on Facebook. And also, if you ever want to see this uh, pretty face 
uh, with the voice. <laughs> uh, you can check, you can catch an athlete's journey on YouTube as well. Uh, I post all my stuff on social media, so you can definitely check it out. It's on, you know, YouTube. I mean, it's on, it's on Instagram and Facebook. So you can click the links and my link tree. So click the links and you can see everything that you want to see. Sounds good. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Conan. Like I said, I'm the publisher and managing editor over at All Bruins on the Foundation Sports Illustrated Networks. You can follow us on Twitter at SI underscore All Bruins and on Facebook at SI.AllBruins. So you can check out any extra UCLA content there over at AllBruins.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back soon enough to maybe hit a few more UCLA topics. We'll see what the news is, any uh, commitments or any other recruiting storylines popping up, some preseason football stuff. Like we said, it's kind of dog days, but we we are winding up to another big year of UCLA sports starting now. So thanks so much for listening, <laughs> and we'll see you next time. All right. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.